It's your old pal, the Crypt Tonight's tale of terror comes from the Trick-or-Treaters podcast. Join them as they journey into the horrifying unknown. <laughs> you are listening to the Trick-or-Treaters podcast. Movie reviews, horror news, and all the gory details. Listen if you dare. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Trick or Treaters podcast. I am your host, Kyle, and as always, joined by my wonderful co-host, JR. JR, how you doing tonight, buddy? Well, as we are recording uh, Tuesday, October 26th, we are only five days away from Halloween. And, you know, just really feeling the holiday spirit. The weather's changing. Uh, yesterday, we had a pretty big rainstorm. It's getting cooler, so it feels a little bit, you know, finally starting to feel like fall where I'm at. And, you know, really been been binge-watching a lot of the monsters. After our last episode, we talked about uh, Rob Zombie's, you know, re remake, reimagining of his Monsters movie. Peacock has the original, the first two seasons of the Monsters on Peacock. So last Friday I was at work and I said, all right, let me... I've seen it before, but I really said I want to do a deep dive. I really want to like pay attention and, you know, with the actors and some of the way that this TV show sitcom was put together. And I tell you that the monsters, you know, it ran for two seasons and it was uh, very competitive and really beating Adam's family during that time. And it was sabotaged by ABC when ABC released Batman and it completely killed the ratings for the monsters, which caused it to be canceled, but it became very popular in syndication and reruns. But for those 70, I'm about halfway through now. I just started season two. Um, it is a very fun show to watch with, um, with Fred Gwynn, Violet, um, uh, Violet Dakar, I believe her name is, uh, Al Lewis, and Butch Davis and then um, Pat Priest, who did the majority of Marilyn uh, for the Munsters. It's just a very fun show. Fred, Fred Gwynn as Herman Munster just had this like tremendous, tremendous physical uh, um, facial features that he had where like just the way he laughed at uh, certain stuff and the, his facial expressions was just really amazing. It's just a great show. If you've never seen it before, or it is just, or it's been a long time. I definitely recommend taking a deep dive because I've had a lot of fun watching it. So it, it's making me look forward to see what Rob Zombie puts out there next year. Yeah, I plan on uh, I plan on checking it out again soon, uh, especially to kind of prepare for Rob Zombie's uh, a version of it. Uh, is it uh, where's it streaming at, and how many seasons is it? You said so. Uh, there's only two seasons back that and back in those days um television ran like a season was like 35 to 50 episodes sometimes it's two seasons of 35 so it's a total of 70 it's on currently on the peacock streaming service which is owned and operated by nbc universal i d i don't know of any of the tv films or reboots are on there because there was several uh 
because of the popularity and syndication, they actually end up making, I believe, four movies or maybe three movies with the original cast. Three, three for sure, I believe, maybe four with the original cast. I could be wrong, though. Um, so let me see. It looks like uh, the movies were Monsters Go Home, came out in 66. Um, starring Fred Gwynn, so he was in two of them. Yvonne DiCarlo, uh, who played Lily Munster, is in two of them. Al Lewis was who played Grandpa Munster was in was in both of them. The original son, uh, Butch Patrick, was in the first one movie, but not the second one. And then they found a new uh, Marilyn Munster. Um, and there's other movies that came out in 95 and 96, but I don't, nobody of the originals in there. Um, I think at that point could be wrong. Fred Gwynn, a lot of people remember him for Pet Cemetery, my cousin Vinny. He ended, yeah, he ended up dying in, in 1993 at the age of 66, but yeah. So this, the syndication made it popular where they were, they ended up coming out with multiple movies. Um, and they, and obviously a lot of reboots that just didn't stick because I think in 20, uh, I think 2012, they also tried to reboot it, but it was like a completely reimagining that starred. Um, it was it was actually not even called The Monsters. It was called Mockingbird Lane. Um, it starred Jerry O'Connell, Portia de Rossi, and Eddie Izzard. And it was more of like a modern day take on it. It, it just I saw the trailer and it was just not very good at all. And it, I'm glad it didn't make it because it was just very weird and nothing close to what made the first one so amazing. Yeah, I'll have to uh, rewatch the TV show and 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 those movies for sure. Uh, I've been wanting to do it anyway, even before Rob Zombie uh, uh, announced his movie, but this just seems like a perfect time to do it. Yeah. And the way, the way that the monsters was created or, or filmed and I know we're going off on a tangent, but that's not what we're here for, but it basically was like your normal, like 1960 sitcom where it was similar, like leave it to beaver or the Andy Griffin show or things like that, where they're just everyday people doing, getting into everyday mischief or hijinks. But Herman was Frankenstein. Lily was a vampire or, um, grandpa was a, was basically dracula or vampire and then their son eddie was a werewolf and they had a pet named spot that was like a dragon almost and then they thought everybody else was abnormal that everything they did was normal and there's like a scene where they go to a hotel and they said hey turn on the air conditioner the air's too fresh in here or it's like oh can you see look at this place how much does this place cost and there's no dust here and their and their uh niece marilyn who's like a beautiful American, you know, blonde, you know, girl next door type is seen as the, as like the ugly ducking of a family, which makes it even more hilarious because she's the only one that is normal. And they, and they make it seem like, and she even herself makes it seem like she's the ugly ducking. And I think just that kind of like it, that were that topsy turviness is what made it very unique. And like I said, those, those original actors who played those roles just, I really think did a phenomenal job and just really making those characters come to life. Oh yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. It, the cast, uh, the cast was always great. And uh, just, uh, just from what I remember 
from the first time watching Monsters. It, it definitely is a great, great cast. Uh, besides the Monsters, a couple other things uh, here recently that we can talk about before we get into it. Uh, this uh, the marketing for this hasn't been that great. Uh, so, and you know, this episode will drop on Friday. And the day this episode drops is uh, the day that the new Paranormal Activity, Paranormal Activity Next of Kin will be streaming on Paramount Plus. And like, the, it, the, I saw the trailer for this. It looks really, really good. It looks like a brand new, like, reimagining of Paranormal Activity, but like, it looks like it's like set in like an Amish village. But, it, and it looks very, it looks very good. But like I said, like marketing has just been awful for this film to the point that like most people didn't even know it was coming out this week. Yeah, I had no idea. I know, um, I know this week coming up, releasing in movie theaters is um, the movie Antlers, which I saw the preview. I believe at Halloween Kills, and then last night in Soho, I had no idea that there was a. Um, that there was another paranormal activity coming out. And so that's kind of, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I recommend watching the trailer. It, it looks really, really fucking good. Uh, but besides that, though, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Last Night in Soho and Antlers as well. I, it's funny, I'm actually on IMDb looking up releases, and I saw something that caught my eye that after we get off, I'm going to watch the trailer on. There's looks like a fan film is being released uh, the same this Friday on October 29th where this episode drops called the Haddonfield Haddonfield Nightmare. And it's the says following the events of Halloween H2O, John Tate must once again come face to face with Michael Myers 22 years after his encounter with him when he was in pursuit of his mom, Carrie Tate slash Laurie Sloan in Summer Glen, California, 1998. Oh wow, that'll be interesting. Cause... <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I didn't even know that stuff like that even made IMDb for it to be registered on. That's yeah. interesting. That'll be interesting because, like, you know, you know, most people when they hear fan films, they're kind of like, uh. But I, so I've seen some really fucking good fan films. I mean, we got the Never Hack Alone fan films of Friday of Friday Thirteenth, which is I'd argue that some of them are bet are better than than the actual movies. Uh, I've seen some Halloween fan films that look good. Some of the Friday Thirteenth fan films are really, really good. Uh, I've seen a trailer that's coming out uh, here in December for a Scream fan film called Scream Legacy, and it looks really good as well. But do like fan films are uh, sure some of them could be bad and look kind of uh look kind of uh, but there's some really fucking good ones out there. There's some very talented uh. Uh, amateur directors. Yeah, you know, I think also with fan films, if you look at at Hollywood releases, and I'll, I'll take from two different generations, you look at um, Halloween 1978, and then you look at the first Paranormal Activity that came out around 2008 or 2009, somewhere around that time frame, is that those movies taught that you can do a lot with less. And it's, it's about leaving things up to the imagination it's about the right, you know, the right effects at the right time. It's about um, sometimes score, just having the right, you know, score. So you don't necessarily have to go 
blood guts and gore if you're on a limited budget like you know essentially all fan films are more likely are um and then in addition to that i mean i could tell you you know my having the newest iphone i just got a couple weeks ago i actually got it the day of um of scream the 25th anniversary when it hit movie theaters I mean, the video quality of just this brand new iPhone is amazing. And you could do things. I, I think that's one of the commercials that they have with iPhones is like that someone's using it as a video camera. And so, I mean, you could do a lot nowadays that you probably couldn't even five years ago, but definitely 10, 20, 30 years ago and make a really good fan film. And then on top of that, at the end of the day, it just comes if you as whoever you get involved with it is just really the hard work they put in, whether it's people working behind the scenes, whether it's people, whoever's acting and actually, you know, act like they're caring, which sometimes you watch some, especially, you know, you get to some of the sequels of even movies that we love, but like your, your nightmare on Elm street, your Friday 13th or your Halloween's is just like, man, why are you even here? It looks like you don't give a damn and you're just having this shitty acting. Um, you know, a lot of effort go, you know, effort goes a long way in making people really believe that you care about your project. And especially if it is a found film, and it's a pet project. Um, my assumption is that you're probably going to put a lot of work into it. Oh yeah, exactly. Like, they, they look like you know, to, to, to try and, uh, try and watch some fan films for anyone listening who haven't checked out fan films. Cause there's some really good ones. I recommend never hack alone, uh, never hack in this, uh, in the snow, uh, Voorhees, uh, Jason Rising, or just just a couple of Friday Thirteenth fan films that I've seen uh, that are really good. Uh, arguably, I'd argue and say some of them uh, are even better than some of the installments of the franchise. Uh, Vengeance is also another good one as well. You know what? I've um, I I'm ashamed that I don't remember the name or what it was. I should have saved it, but I I was caught up in a mini one on YouTube for Halloween and it basically the premise was is that it was the son of Dr. Loomis and he you know had all of his father's you know belongings and Michael was coming after him and just the way it was shot the time you know utilizing the you know the time of day you know nighttime the the shots they were using and setting up it actually I thought they I thought they did a really good job for you know how low budget things were and it actually just the way they put it together when I was seeing it, I was like, it was very, it was very interesting. I was very intrigued. There were certain things I was like, Oh, that was pretty cool. Like I said, a lot of it is, you know, when you see those movies, like especially the original Halloween, when you look at death scenes, it's if you, you can leave things up to the imagination and let people go from there and take what they will from it. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, The uh, another thing I want to talk about, uh, I don't know if you saw the trailer for it, it got released yesterday, uh, JR. Uh, but uh, a movie that's coming out ne- uh, next month, uh, called Black Friday, that I, I'm pretty sure it's zombies. Uh, it's basically like these, these workers in this uh, retail store are letting shoppers in for Black Friday, you're getting ready for it, and they let them in. And then apparently, for the trailer, one of them is a zombie. So they have a zombie outbreak, but here's the thing. It stars Devin Sawa and Bruce fucking Campbell. 
and Michael J. White, for anyone who knows, who is a fan of Michael J. White, a lot like I am, you know, he was, he played Spawn, he's in some really great uh, 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 karate movies, uh, uh, he's in it as well, and it just looks like an absolute blast, it looks so fun, I don't know if you've seen the trailer for it, but I highly recommend it, it's called Black Friday, and it has Bruce Campbell in it. Um, well, I mean, right away, I mean, Bruce Campbell, a legend of the horror community, um, just, I mean, just alone for his working Evil Dead. There was other projects that he did um, that I just can't help but laugh. He, he was in the TV show for a while called Burn Notice, which I thought he had a great role in. He was actually the reason why I turned tuned in to watch Burn Notice was because of him. Uh, he played that insane movie called, um, that was named Bubba Hotep. And I just was dying laughing on that. Devin Sawa, you know, a lot of people remember from Final Destination, Idle Hands. That he goes back to being the being Casper in the nineteen ninety five movie with Christina Ricci. He his first Hollywood film was uh, the movie Little Giants, which I love that movie to this day. Me and my brother still recite lines from that. Michael J. White, um, you mentioned uh, Spawn. He also was a Universal Soldier with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, he was, he did a few Tyler Perry movies. Um, he did, I believe it was called Blood and Bone was another one uh, that I saw in a, a yeah. karate movie. He was it's in actually, Undisputed. Uh, yeah, yeah, Blood and Bone is, uh, you know, some people would probably be like, oh, this is uh, terrible. I, I, I watched it one night on Netflix, just bored, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, which I'm also a huge Michael J. White fan, so that could have helped, but I, I thought it was okay. I mean, Michael J. White is a guy that he walks into the room. He's just he's a ba- he just looks like a badass. He's built fucking solid. I mean, he has a great look. He has he's uh, muscular, flexible. I, there's a video if you ever see it. If you ever anybody ever go Google YouTube when he was on the set of Blood and Bone, he's teaching Kimball Slice, who at the time was. A pretty, you know, he's since passed away, Kimbo Slice. He was a very renowned street fighter, and he was slowly becoming a mixed martial artist. And a company uh, named Ali XC kind of positioned him to be their like big headliner. And I don't know if it still stands to this day. I could, I'm not entirely sure, but at one point he had the highest rated MMA fight in American television, um, and it was that. You know, on it was on CBS, and I'm not I'm not sure if it still stands, but it stood for a long time. I mean, there was fights that you thought would come close to it, or that would beat it, um, like UFC fights that was on Fox or ABC, and it didn't even come it didn't come close to the number that Kimbo Slice pulled. But Michael J. White, you know, being a martial artist background, he's teaching he's teaching Kimbo how to throw a punch on how to. Um, and how to essentially fake out your opponent. And it's very interesting. He dude is a genius. Um, but I, I really enjoyed him. I saw this trailer um, yesterday. I thought it's a very fun movie because you have Michael J. White, who's a badass. You have Devin Sawa, who I think, I don't know if he's, you know, it's one of the things that I'm, I don't want to, I always say like I'm a part of the horror community because of our podcast, but I feel like I'm adjacent to it because I know, I know people that I love dearly, but I'm not very in, involved in it. 
But as an actor, I don't feel like Devin Sawa gets as much appreciation as people should because he has a great he has great physical features, great facial expressions. He's he can be funny, um, and he, I think he has a, like he has a perfect role in this based on the commercials. And then Bruce Campbell is amazing, you know, as, as always comical. There's some other people that I didn't recognize, but the way they were portrayed just in the trailer, I thought you know it's gonna be a good film. The only thing I said that would make it, I think, over the top amazing um, is if it was not just a movie on its own. But if they said, hey, we're going to do a Black Friday movie, but it's going to be a next chapter in Evil Dead and and Ash and we're going to Bruce Campbell play Ash and it's going to be in the S mark. I just thought that would be amazing. Like, I thought it would be just the greatest yeah. thing in the world, but. Uh, people but just, made that uh, people made that joke because apparently the the place that they're that it takes place is called Shop uh, Shop Smart, and there was like, oh, S Smart, ah, Shop Smart, Shop S Smart, yeah. I but but again, I also see the whole premise of letting it do its own thing. Um, it's just it's anytime you make if you make a movie i mean i'm sure the core there's going to be correlations in general about it because they're like oh it's bruce campbell it's a zombie movie it's kind of like you know an evil dead movie so i'm sure those comparisons may no matter what anyways but anytime you put that on there like oh this is going to be another sequel i think number one you're definitely going to get more fans involved but number two there's always going to be that criticism like is it like its predecessor But it's definitely still something yeah, that would, I would highly recommend people just check out the trailer. But I need to tell my brother about it because he loves Bruce Campbell just like I do, and it's gonna be a, just a fun film. Oh yeah, uh, and if uh, just to reiterate what Jr. said about Devin Sala's, uh how great he is, just watch the new Chucky TV series because he, he played two different people and. I mean, he's he's almost unrecognizable in in one of the roles. I mean, he's doing a great job as well in that in that TV series. But uh, uh, one last thing, and you know, speaking of Bruce Campbell, uh, I just saw that uh, apparently the new Evil Dead, Evil Dead Rise, uh, just wrapped filming. So now they're going to go into post production and getting everything. Uh, you know, edited and everything, and we should. I think we should hopefully have it out next year. Yeah, so this still says it's scheduled to be released on HBO Max in 2022. Doesn't actually doesn't give a date of as far as what month, but it should. Uh, hopefully, sometime. It's always weird because, like, I feel you want horror movies to be released in October, so but at the same time, it's like, but we actually want things more spread out because it's like, you know, just off the top of my head, it's like, it's why get scream and Halloween ends in October when we can get scream in January. And then months later we can get Halloween ends. So it'd be like, Oh, this would be something great. Like a movie like evil dead rise. If it's released like in the summer, for example, that's just my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. That's true, uh, but yeah, man, uh, we got Evil Dead looking forward to next year. Uh, the monsters, uh, Halloween ends, uh, uh, 
uh, Hocus Pocus 2 comes out next year. Like next year is already lining up to be a freaking great uh like spooky year for for all of us uh, horror lovers. A movie that's coming out that is kind of a dark uh more of a dark dark comic movie that a lot of people have been looking forward to. It's been on the back burner for 2 years now because of COVID. It's just been delayed release is uh Morbius starring Jared Leto who was um a vampire from my understanding a vampire a comic book character from, I believe, the Marvel Marvel comics. It's around the same principle of like Blade. Yeah. Um, so yeah. a last one that a lot of people are looking forward to. Um, I feel like there's another one that I'm losing. There, there's actually been a, a little bit of shifts and movies next year because Marvel's moving stuff around for I have no idea what reason, but. Um, but yeah, there's yeah, I always say this every year. I'm just like, oh man, next year is gonna be like an amazing like this crazy year in the movie theaters. But I feel like you know just people love going to the movies and you can never have enough great movies. So when you have like those big uh those those big like DC or Marvel and then you add in any sort of film franchises, like people are going it's always gonna be jam-packed. I feel like I feel like Disney, like every month they have a movie, whether it's a Marvel movie, whether it's a Star Wars movie now or whatever, because they own everything. Oh yeah. But then on top of everything else coming out next year, the thing I'm looking forward to more than anything, January. January fourteenth, Scream. So fucking stoked. I'd I'd literally get so excited about that uh, movie all the time. I, uh, I just recently rewatched all the screams just for fun. And it's just so fun rewatching that series. You pick up on so much uh, that you didn't pick up on the last time you watched it. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's gonna be a fun year. Um, my, <laughs> my favorite thing is people are looking forward to scream is how many people like want, want, uh, Stu to be alive in this next movie and everybody's like dude Stu's dead he had a tv drop on his face and it's just it's just comical to me how many people like this this like 50 50 fight between people who love Stu that want to see him back and people are like dude he's dead leave him alone yeah I've been uh in the Woodsboro horror film club uh, group on Facebook. I've been trolling those ones who keep saying Stu is dead. Uh, Stu is dead. I would deliberately make Stu is not dead post just to piss them off. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, God, I can't wait. But uh, but uh, we're not here to talk about uh, Scream as much as I would love to chat about Scream. Uh, this is our our last episode of Spooky Month of October. Unfortunately, it's it's it, it went by way too fast. I can't believe Sunday is Halloween. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, I'm taking my my niece and nephew trick or treating, and uh, I don't, I think my niece is gonna be like a like a uh, a cheerleader, like undead cheerleader, zombie cheerleaders, or of something like that. My uh, my nephew is well uh, my oldest nephew is going to be chucky i mean it's going to be sam from trick-or-treat and then my young my young nephew is going to be chucky and i'm going to go as Ghostface, and i can't wait to walk around with with uh sam and trick-or-treat as Ghostface and sam 
but I'm I'm super looking forward to that. But but yeah, it's our last it's our last episode of Spooky Month, unfortunately. Uh, but of course we're gonna end it with uh we gotta go back to a classic for this week for this episode. We're going uh, Jr's pick uh Halloween two from 1981, and I'm gonna let Jr take over from here. So um. After the amazing success of Halloween 1978 um, that was done by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, the movie studios wanted a sequel to the film. And if, obviously, if you've seen the ending of Halloween, um, Michael Myers is shot by Dr. Loomis and he falls off the um, falls off the balcony. And then Dr. Loomis goes to look for him and he's gone. So obviously there was an opening in in the event that the movie was successful. Um, which I think if you look at a lot of horror movies, to, especially between that time to the day, that happens quite a lot, quite a bit where you see some sort of potential opening or or open end ending in the event that a movie is successful. The <clears throat> After the um the success of it, um there uh Carpenter Hill ended up originally wanting the film to be done a few years after it. Um but after one of the things you learn about is the whole franchise of Halloween is having multiple rewrites have done over for many sequels, it ended up being settled it would be more of the night that he came home. So it was the same night. Of, Hall- of the original Halloween from 1971. The one thing, though, that is interesting is as the film begins, you see the ending of Halloween 1 beginning with Laurie Strode telling uh, Lindsay and... Um, uh, Lindsay and Tommy to go um, essentially get help and leave the house. And we get to that scene where uh, Lori and Michael were having a struggle and Dr. Luma shoots him. He falls off the balcony. And that's essentially where uh, and Dr. Loomis goes to look for him. And that's essentially the beginning of Halloween 2 is Pixel from there. That the, That's the end of Halloween 1 going to Halloween 2. But because it was done um, or it was shot um, about three years after Halloween 1, of 1978 there was some things that changed specifically was laurie strode's hair so if you actually see laurie strode from that particular beginning of the scene to let's say when she's in the hospital you can tell how different her hair looks the other one that i that i kind of noticed but you i noticed it a lot more was how different michael myers appearance looked where in the first one he had um his hair was more brown uh, or dark brown, and it was kind of a little bit out of place, I would say, for lack of a better word. And in this one, if you notice, his like he looks very like buttoned up, like his like his collar of his of his coveralls, and then his hair is like shorter, light brown, and it's like it looks slip. The mask hair is like, or excuse me, yeah, the mask hair is slip, um, slick back, and it's a very it just kind of always interests me because it's like it's supposed to be the same night, but certain things change, you know, that makes it look a little bit different. 
and then as we continue on this film is is basically shot in a few different parts one the neighborhood where the first movie took place and then uh, the Haddonfield uh, the Haddonfield hospital where another part of the film takes place the as i mentioned earlier it was uh it was written by john carpenter and deborah hill unlike the original though it was directed by rick rosenthal where the original was directed by uh john carpenter the it was released um 40 years ago to the date that would be this saturday october 30th has a runtime of 92 minutes the original budget was 2.5 million in 1981 if you adjust that for inflation that'd be approximately 7.5 million today um their box office budget for north america was 25 million if you adjust it for inflation it's around 75 million so it didn't have this obviously nowhere near the uh the return of investment as the original halloween was by having um less than a million dollar budget and grossing over 60 million but that's still a really good investment um and return on your initial investment which essentially you will find plays into future sequels of halloween because as we all know um jar carper and we'll uh, throw this out there and I'm, I'm standing by my word next year will be the 40th anniversary of halloween 3 and i'm going to get the scream queens jess and cc kyle and i we're gonna do a crossover i've been talking about it for for about four months now but it's gonna i'm gonna make it happen we're gonna cover halloween 3 because i because i just think it's gonna be a great episode but because of the failure of halloween 3 and the success of the continued success of Halloween 2 with Michael Myers is why I bring it back for Halloween 4. So that's just a quick bit of uh, information from behind the scenes. I definitely wanted to bring that up about how this film um, it still had a box office success, even though it did not match the original one. So is there anything, Kyle, you'd like to add before we get into actually reviewing the film? Uh before we actually get into the review of the film, uh, I will say to add to the, because uh, you mentioned that the, the anniversary is coming up for this one. Uh, yesterday was the 43rd anniversary of Halloween 1978. Which is, uh, which we have, I mean, without that film, there's so many horror films we wouldn't have. Like, I don't think uh, we wouldn't have Scream would have never been made. Uh, I mean, there's just, just so many. Absolutely. So, um, as as we're we'll going to get into beginning it. So, as I mentioned, the beginning of the film is the end of Halloween 1978. We're going to, um, as I kind of briefly talked about how that film the story was we're gonna get straight to after that so michael myers survives the survives an escape and wandering through alleys this we see uh dr loomis is looking for him and he runs into the cops and he says the line that i think we've all been tweeting or saying this whole week as, the, as he sees the um the sheriff he says i shot him six times i shot him six times he's not human and then the sheriff, you know, later replies, you couldn't have shot him six times. And I I don't know why, Kyle, like that line is so amazing or funny, but it's just 
he he's so like discombobulated and just like frantic that he he emptied his revolver um on michael and that he didn't die so um i just think that i don't know why i just think that is an amazing scene what about how do you feel oh dude i i I crack up every time because it's like loomis was walking up to everybody he saw who would walk up who would listen for him to yell at them that he shot michael myers six times and like I even made a, a joke tweet earlier while I was watching rewatching the film. I said, uh, "Doctor Loomis would just like to let everyone know that he shot Michael a total of six times." Yeah, I and I actually uh, last week when I, I was watching the re- reviewing the film, I tweeted the same thing. But I think I was like, "Hey, rewatching uh, Halloween to 1981, picking up on some things." I was like. I, I think Dr. Loomis shot Michael six times. I'm not entirely sure because he's still walking. Can anybody confirm if he shot him six times or not? But um yeah, I just think it's funny. But the one thing I would say is I'm gonna I'm gonna go through quickly the scenes, but um essentially Michael ends up wandering into a an old elderly couple's house that's watching oh, is it Night of the Living Dead, Kyle, that they're watching? Oh yeah, Night of the Living Dead. My okay. favorite, my favorite zombie film of all time. And um and Michael steals a kitchen knife from this elderly couple and then next door walks into a teenager's house and kills the girl. Um the one thing I noticed I will say this two things. Be- between the time that Dr. Loomis he goes outside to look for Michael, he touches the grass, he touches blood, and then Michael killing the teenage girl. I think there's more blood in those two scenes than the entire Halloween movie of 1978 because there was no blood in 1978 with yeah. the exception of uh, the beginning scene where Michael killed when he's six years old, kills his, his older sister. Um, and I think there's like a little bit of blood that's like thrown on her or you see on the ground or you see on the knife, but there was nothing. So this kind of already shows you where they're going in this different direction of where there's going to be a little bit more, I don't want to use the term gore because uh, I don't think it's fitting. I wouldn't say a little bit more. I mean, uh, if if you were if you liked seventy if you uh, if you thought uh, seventy eight was lacking in blood and you know, might as well say it like gore ish uh, uh, kills and stuff or more brutal kills, then uh, you're definitely going to love this one because they did not hold back. Yeah, they definitely, a lot of things got increased, definitely. Like, you you definitely could tell that they benefited off adding more money to the budget for Halloween 2, the 1981. I think, though, when you look at some of the other, like, other, I'll give you a comparison. Three years later, we see the Diamond on Elm Street debut. And it this, here, compared to there, is completely tame. So there is an increase in in like blood usagers. The the some of the murders are very are more. Um, I can't think of the correct term. I'm gonna use aggressive for lack of a better term, but um, but it's nothing like we've come to see today though. But it had but his violent the way he took out people was definitely more aggressive in the way that he uh, killed individuals compared to. Like in the original where he strangled uh, Annie and Linda. And then even though he stabbed Bob, you couldn't really see it. 
as well as a few off-screen kills. Yeah, the original was definitely lacking in blood. So, um, as I mentioned, he takes the knife, kills a person, and at the same time, Laurie Strode uh, is being taken to Hannibal Memorial Hospital. And Sheriff Lee Brackett uh, ends up He's with Loomis looking for Michael. When this is happening, there's something I wanted to point out is that we see a little boy walking to with his mother to the Hanford Moore Hospital, and he has a razor blade that's like vertically, like that's vertically like in his mouth. Which, from my understanding, I, I actually talked to somebody older than me. This may have been used as a way of to say, hey, make sure you check your kids' bags for check their candy because you never know what's happening. But it all started because not to my knowledge and the knowledge I was told me, not that it didn't happen, but it was not people, somebody did find a razor blade in an apple, but they never actually bit into it. It's just you could see the razor blade. And so I don't know, Kyle, about you, uh, and I'm going to go to the end. There's something I also want to point out when Lori gets to the hospital, but did you see any point to this kid with the razor blade in his mouth being in the movie? Uh, other than just to kind of throw a little like, you know, shade at the whole razor blade and candy thing. No, not really. Okay. Um, when Lori gets to the hospital, the 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 mother and the kid walks into the hospital about the same time, and. The the kid is bleeding. He has like um he has like a towel in his mouth, and you see blood all over it. And the mom's like, he needs to see a doctor. The doctor comes in, and he, you could tell he's uh, inebriated. He enjoyed a couple of spirits before he came to the hospital. He goes to check on Lori, and Lori is in the bed, has a knife wound like that hit her arm. And on my head, I'm thinking. Why are you checking on Lori, who has this little major knife wound, when this kid has a razor blade stuck in his tongue in his mouth? He should be your priority. Look, this kid is like, looks like he's going to bleed to death. Lori has like a, a, a cat scratch. I don't know. I just thought it was crazy to me that that happened. They kind of annoyed me. I was like, help the kid. Lori's not going to go anywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Eventually, though, the end of the, there's the last thing of this is the kid, um, just so I can put it to, put it to bed. He ends up going home with his mom. He, his mouth is like kind of he has gauze on it on his tongue. That's the end of the kid's story. I don't know what the purpose was. If somebody listens to this and knows what the purpose was, I would love to know because I just see this minor, minor story arc was pointless. Anyways, um, we go back to Sheriff Lee Brackett. Him and Louis are in a car. They're looking for Michael on the streets. They think they see Michael. They stop the car. They try to, uh, they have this individual in a mask that um, that they're telling to stop. And as the, this, this individual mask is now starting to run away, he ends up getting plowed into by another patrol car that crashes into the side of the van. Massive explosion. Um, and this is where I say it's another section where you see that they're definitely using their budget. Um, they ask him if he thinks it's Michael. It's not. And um, we come to find out later that it is Ben Tramer 
who in the first film, Ben Tramer was somebody that Lori liked that Annie was going to try to um, set her up with. Yep. Poor Ben Tramer. So before we go ahead, Kyle, they got fucking annihilated. I mean, it is it, like the whoever th- this stunt was very. This was a crazy stunt. Uh, I think yeah. even you know, um, even today, I think this stunt was so crazy because you had a car that looked like it was driving at a very high rate of speed, crashing into, I, uh, I'm assuming it would be the equivalent of a mannequin, but still crashing into a van, and it looks crazy, uh, and just it burst up in flames. Um, like I said, later we find out. Um, because the information was given to a the I believe it's Deputy Gary Hunt, who essentially takes over the place of Sheriff Lee Brackett. Because when his car crash happens, uh, Deputy Gary Hunt goes up, uh, finds, uh, goes up to Brackett and Loomis and says that they they found three bodies and one was Annie. Then they go to the house where Annie was killed, and they ended up you know. Lee Brackett essentially that's his last scene, and Gary Hunt takes Gary Hunt takes over, and essentially accompanies Loomis for the rest of the night. And two kids come up to him and say, "Hey, you know, we were worried about Ben Chamber. He's been drinking. He was wearing this white mask." And then you come to find out that that was Ben Chamber. We um, we go back to the hospital and. When Lori gets to the hospital, he they're accompanied by two paramedics. One is Jimmy, who's kind of taken a liking to Lori, as well as Bud, who is a very crude, rude, uh, chauvinistic uh, male that, um, with the way he talks, especially to one of the nurses, um, Jimmy just trying to he keeps trying to talk to Lori. Kind of really gets to the ire of the head nurse of Haddon Memorial, who's name is Virginia Alves, who really starts uh, kind of getting pissed off every time that Jimmy keeps going to Lori's room. Um, but we we come to a scene where a gentleman with a boombox, you know, has is listening to it, and it's set in over the boombox is a news bulletin that says that Lori was taken to Hannaford Memorial Hospital. He bumps into a gentleman. You find out that's Michael Myers. So now Michael is making his way to the hospital. Michael, when he gets to the hospital, the first thing he does, uh, you come to find out later, is that he cuts the phone lines and basically disables all the cars, which is very, as much as I love Michael because he has like this ruthless aggression about him that you don't know why he does no rhyme and reasoning, but there's some things he does like, hey, I can drive. Hey, I know how to make a car not work. Hey, I also eat dogs. I'm like, it's just very weird. Like those, those little things are just kind of like, you know, on the flip side, I never, I don't ever remember Jason Voorhees driving a car or Jason Voorhees cutting power lines. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's something. Now, something may have happened where, like, Jason may have thrown somebody into a power line, or something of that nature, or some thrown into like the electrical box of a house. But it's just, it, it's just that's like the just those. Those are like the few instances that just kind of just like, um, where you think like Michael is this unstoppable evil force that's just gonna kill, but then it just has the sometimes like, oh, I got this bright idea that I'm gonna cut the power line. Anyways, um, 
Michael begins, he essentially gets into Hanifemore Hospital and slowly starts taking out hospital staff. Starts with the security guard, starts with uh, who's one of the first ones out. The doc uh, hits him over the head with a hammer, the claw part, which is just the I mean, it, it looks it looks a little bit tamer on television, but just the whole concept, like me thinking about it in person, just kind of just like, man, that's that's very crazy. Um, kills the doctor who's treating um, who is treating Lori. I believe he injects air to the side of his head or into his eyeball. I never quite get that scene right because it's in the dark. Um, kills one nurse who uh, stumbles into the doctor being dead um, by stabbing her. And um, another nurse, or the actually the head nurse, Virginia Alves, who he essentially puts like an IV line into her and basically like just drains her of all her blood. Yeah, he had some pretty interesting kills in this little part. That uh, that like syringe kill is really fucking weird. I don't, I don't understand it either. At first, I thought maybe there's something in there that's like that's like lethal, but I don't think there was even anything in there. There is, I know, uh, I believe medically, or maybe I just know it's because of movies, but like you cannot inject, like basically having uh, air injected into your veins or something like that or into an IV, I believe causes like a heart arrhythmia that could essentially stop your heart because, because of it. Um, but yeah, just in the eye, I, I never understood that one kill. Not that it's not possible. Maybe it could kill you because you're injecting air or maybe, or something of that nature, but I don't know for sure. Um, I've only heard about like, you know, and really it's because you hear you hear you look it up because you see it in the movies. You've seen that in movies multiple times about you know air being injected into somebody's IV. The mo- the one that I remember off the top of my head was in the remake of The Omen with Julia Stiles and Leif Schreiber from 2006. Um couple of things I wanted to pick up as far as tidbits, like there's some things you start noticing, like um so in that in future movies they may play uh, an homage to it. So, for example, there's a scene here, and I believe it's a scene where the kids go up to uh, Deputy Gary Hunter and Doctor Loomis and let them know about Ben Tramer. Is you see a, basically a mob of people attacking the old Myers house, and I was like, you know, spoiler alert: in five, four, three, two, one. Spoiler for Halloween Kills, something very similar happens to that in Halloween Kills where like the town mob starts coming after, you know, Michael Myers wanting blood for what he did to the city or or, or the or the people um, because he killed one of their own. So I just thought like, you know, something like that I thought was kind of interesting um, that I saw it in this movie and you see it in that one. Um, there's some, you know... And when you watch the newer ones like Halloween 2018 and, and now Halloween Kills, you kind of see a little bit of of a, I think, a, a homage, an homage to the first two 
predecessors, Halloween 1978 and Halloween 1981. Did you did you pick up on any of that when you were watching Halloween 2, Kyle, about seeing some of that in Halloween Kills or ha- or Halloween uh, 2018? Yeah, yeah, I was definitely seeing some similarities. So, um, at this, uh, another thing that we also um, mentioned, there's, we essentially only left down to three hospital staff. There was Jimmy, Bud, and there's another nurse. Um, Bud is trying to get um, friendly with the nurse and trying to get into a, I believe, a therapeutic bath, uh, uh a hot bath, which I can tell you as somebody who works out, hot baths are amazing. I've been using them to use them to recover my soreness. So Budge trying to use it for his pleasure with the nurse. Um, Michael turns up the heat on the bath. Bud goes to check on it. Michael strangles him. And I think probably the most brutal kill in the movie. Uh, Michael grabs the nurse and starts dunking her head first into the hot water that's boiling and essentially burns her face off and scalding hot water as well as drowning her at the same time. Yeah, that kill was insane. <laughs> I was like, that I was like, wow, you know, uh, uh, props to Michael for getting very creative in this one so far. Also, th- those uh, those effects were really good on her body. That just that whenever he pulled her, he pulled her back up oh yes absolutely i mean yeah because every time her face was more disfigured from the water um and that essentially leaves um jimmy Lori, and michael and one more nurse in the hospital as uh, Jimmy ends up stumbling into Mrs. Alves and the blood and he slips, knocks himself unconscious, giving him a concussion. Um, Lori ends up escaping from her hospital bed and she runs into Michael when a nurse stops Lori and the Michael is behind her and stabs her in the back with this, with the scalpel and lifts her and drops her, killing her. Uh, another one of the things that we've talked about is Michael's, you know, strong knives, but man, a scalpel, to do that, we're lifting the nurse up where her shoes falls off. It's a pretty strong scalpel, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. Michael seems to have a uh, this this odd thing of finding the world's strongest knives and uh, now a scalpel as well. Um, and at this point, we're getting to the film. There's kind of like two things happening at one time because. Uh, Essentially, there's a cat and a cat and mouse chase with Lori in the hospital, but we also see Doctor Loomis uh, and Gary Hunt, our deputy Gary Hunt, getting information about a school break-in, and they're going over there to see what's happening. And so you kind of get this back and forth of the cat and mouse as well as Doctor Loomis and where he's at. Um, eventually, he gets to the school and he gets broken into. And this was another weird scene. I don't know what the, the what this this whole thing meant. Um, except kind of talking a little bit about Sam, Sam Hain, but they go to the school, Michael, they see like there's broken glass, there's blood on the desk. He's like, look, there's 
no, look here and look here and look here. I'm like, dude, obviously you can see there's blood everywhere or sheriff's deputy. Like you don't have to be a, a scientist. And then on the chalkboard says Sam Hain. I think this is also meant to bring in potentially a way to separate or bring out uh, Marion Chambers, who was a nurse of Dr. Loomis for, for, for them to like come together because I don't understand why this couldn't have been done anywhere else. Um, but essentially, Marion says that, she, you know, she has orders from the governor's office for uh, Dr. Loomis to go back to Smith's Grove, that Michael's killings have made the whole state and he doesn't have a choice. So as he ends up getting escorted by a police presence, my, uh, Lori ends up, you know, escaping from Michael, hides in a car, but Jimmy wakes up and um and tries to get in the car to start it. Can't get it started. Then he then he fall, passes out from the concussion, which basically sounds the the horn and brings Michael out and and he starts chasing Lori as Lori's crawling on the ground. As this is almost as this happening at the exact same time, Marion tells Doctor Loomis that Lori Strode, and we come to find out is the younger sister of Michael Myers. And she was adopted two years after Michael was committed. And then uh, his parents died and there were, he, she was adopted by the Strobes and for her protection, the adoption papers were sealed and not let know. That's when Dr. Loomis realizes that he's trying to kill his sister, just like he did 15 years ago when he killed his older sister and he under gunpoint, instructs the sheriff's deputy to take him to the hospital so literally like all this is happening at one time for us to get to like this fine this encounter of Lori, uh michael and dr loomis so um as dr loomis enters the hospital able to, to see Lori let her in and michael comes uh breaks into the hospital doors which is made out of glass he basically walks through like he's walking through air and uh Dr. Loomis shoots him and um, tells Marion to go to go signal for radio help. The um, sheriff's deputy checks on Michael, which is stupid because obviously Michael never dies, uh, uses a scalpel to slit his throat, killing him. And then uh, Dr. Loomis and Laurie Strode uh, take off to go hide in a room. And... Dr. Loomis gives Lori a gun. He has another gun, which is basically empty. Um, as he tries, to, uh, locks the door and barricades himself, Michael breaks in. He stabs Dr. Loomis with, with the scalpel. Um, and uh, Lori, as he goes down, Lori shoots Michael in the face. And you have this kind of this iconic scene where she, she shoots him twice in the face. And you see blood pouring from inside of his mask down his eyes where he becomes essentially blind and he's swinging at swinging that air. Dr. Loomis gets up. He turns on, um, which, uh, basically like the flammable gases in the room and tells Lori to get out and Lori runs out. Um, and then Dr. Loomis, uh, Dr. Loomis, um, pulls out his lighter, uh, flicks it, which causes a massive explosion. And then we see the explosion uh, from behind Lori. And then Michael 
emerges from the fire fully engulfed in flames and before he ends up like what we see as essentially dying fast track the next morning uh Lori's being loaded into an ambulance being you know taken away and that's essentially the end of of Halloween 2 it's a very fast film it's only 92 minutes um and essentially there's kind of like it's there's two things happening. It's Dr. Loomis out on the streets looking for Michael and then Lori in the hospital with Michael finally finding, finding the hospital and then taking and picking off hospital staff one by one. But it, for me, um, it was for a long time, one of my favorite Halloween movies, um, because of Dr. Loomis's role in it. I think he was more, um, Compared to the first one, he had more of a bigger presence in the second one than he did in the first one. But yeah, I mean, just similar to the Halloween one, both films are 90 minutes long, but I, it's definitely a sequel that I enjoyed and um, a little bit different than the original, especially when you have the added the added gore because they could afford um, blood and, and more graphic killings because that budget allowed that to happen. What were your thoughts on Halloween 2 um, from 1981, Kyle? Uh, I thought it was a really decent sequel to the original. Uh, I will say, though, it is weird, though, with what they added in. And it seems to have uh, the twist they added in has seems to divide. It's divided a lot of people. And I'd like to probably know, like, how you what side you, you are on. How do you feel about film adding in this whole twist that Lori and Michael are siblings do, do, do you like it or do you prefer or you like me where you prefer the original where Michael is just the embodiment of evil and there really is no purpose for him doing what he's doing other than being pure evil um, I think there's like a pro and con to both sides for me I always kind of like the concept more that he was related to Lori because it was essentially he was tasked with eliminating his family um, for whatever purpose that was. And obviously as you get deep down into the sequels, you learn about, you know, the curse, the curse of Thurn and stuff like that. Um, While at the same time, if you look at the original, it's just that there's no rhyme or reason to what he's doing, what he's doing and why he, uh, killed his sister and then 15 years later went after Lori and Annie and Linda so um, I think both sides have merits I think the sequel the sequels from Halloween 1 to H2O or Halloween 1 2 4 5 6 that that's relationship is important to those stories. I think when you go from the, the new timeline of Halloween, then to Halloween 2018, Halloween kills and eventually Halloween ends. It's kind of like weird because it's like, you know, now they're saying like, Oh, Michael wanted to go home. Michael, you know, his whole thing was going home. It's like, but then what did Lori have to do with that? Because she just, he just saw her at his house and that's why he went after her that night of, of 19 Halloween 1978. I just think that's the there's a little bit of lack of 
sense in that that part of it when you added the sequels into it. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, I get it. Uh, and I understand why some people like uh, like that a lot more because it seems to add purpose for Michael doing what he's doing. But I, I think it's just scarier with him being uh, with no purpose other than just being pure evil. But you know, I get I get it. Yeah, I think when you when you look at if you look at the original just for itself of that why is he doing what he's doing? It's just kind of like, well, Lori, fuck Lori encroached on his territory. Like he, everything was fine until she came to his house with the drop off the key. If she never would have came to his house, maybe, maybe he never would have left. If you kind of look at it that way, like that's why he had his eye on her because she came to his territory. And then obviously like, you know, Linda and Annie were messing with him. So you can see why he did what he did. Um, when you get into, but when you add the the sequel of Halloween, twenty eighteen and Halloween Kills, it's like just you know it just kind of throws it off. But um, I see, like I said, I see both merits to to both of them. I I just I don't know though. For me though, I just I I like the whole concept that he was related that he took out one sister and he's trying to finish the job with the second sister, and especially when you add in you know Halloween four with Jamie and I can even see Halloween H2O when you skip if you skip four, five, six H2O is that he's he's been looking for his younger sister and now he found his younger sister and then I also found his nephew, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, that's true. Uh but uh I guess let's uh slap a rating on this one and close it out. Uh I'll start. Well, you know, I think with all, I would say with all the with my, with Halloween's because how important uh, kitchen knives are. I, I think we it's important to use uh, kitchen knives in this one. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I'll go. I'll start off. Uh, I'll give it a solid. Mm, solid three and a half out of five uh i still prefer the original and even though this one does make my top five at least in the franchise uh it's a pretty decent sequel uh the kills were a lot better in this i like that that it gore that it gore and blood uh but i don't know it just seemed kind of odd in a way uh uh I don't, know, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I just didn't really like the setting of it being just in a hospital and stuff. But it it it, it was neat that it was like continuing on from Halloween, uh, like literally the same night and everything. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, this is the only one so far that actually shows the morning after Halloween so far. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure you're right on that because I'm think quickly thinking in my head that I don't Halloween four was the same night, Halloween five was the same night, uh, six was the same night, H two O was the same night, the Resurrection was the same night, um, Rob Zombie was the same. I think Rob Zombie Hall H two was later on. You know when when Lori was yeah. locked up, and Halloween was the same night, and then 
Halloween, Halloween 22 on the same night Halloween kills. Yeah. Um, for me, as far as ratings, I'd probably give it a four out of five. Uh, I think it has great replay value. Um, I still think, you know, what makes this film is, especially this one, is Dr. Loomis's uh, Donald Pleasant's acting. I just He's such an integral part of, of those first, especially those first six. It's like, you know, uh, and, we'll, and eventually we'll get to the sequels. I don't want to get into that because that will be here too long. But um, he's such an integral part of that. I kind of like the whole concept of, you know, Jimmy having a thing for Lori, um, Lori kind of having that cat and mouse chase throughout the hospital with Michael. I do think the hospital thing, it's not that it's not, it's a bad thing. The one thing that is interesting is when you kind of think about it, it's like, man, it's a hospital. There's like five people in that hospital. That must be like the, you know, everybody must have been, must have been in perfect health, you know, in that entire city of Haddonfield for there to be only five people in that hospital. Um, that That's, I think when I went to the emergency room two months ago, I think there was five people I met on the way into the hospital. Um, some of the negatives, there were just certain things like I probably wouldn't have, like I don't understand the whole kid thing. Um, I probably would have utilized Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis a lot more. Um, I feel like she had, I really feel like her part was very diminished in this one. Um the one it's interesting how they did put a definitive ending because you knew that Deborah Hill and Jar Carpenter was like, we're done. Like we're done with Michael Myers. We're not rehashing this again. Um, but yeah, I, I think I just, you know, enjoyed just the whole continued chase of Michael trying to get to Lori and Dr. Loomis trying to get to Michael. Yeah, yeah, this one definitely felt like they were trying to end Michael, which would make sense given what happened, what came next after this one. I I want to add this little bit. Of, I was looking up some information about um, Halloween 2. So, I mean, we, we know for 100% certain that um, Deborah Hill and, and John Carpenter did not want a, another sequel of Michael Myers. Like, that's why the whole anthology was Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Um, and this is from IMDb goes as the producers thought it would be the final sequel in the series. They let the person who played Michael keep the mask, scalpel boots, jump knife, jumpsuit and knife using the film. When they decided to revive Michael in Halloween four, the producers realized they had made a mistake and never again gave props out to the cast and crew. Therefore, it's subsequent sequels use different masks that look rather different because since they gave out the they they used the original mask from Halloween one, it was just it had just changed a little bit due to the paint fading and the hair falling out. But as you know, we get from four, five, and six. That mask is just especially five. Good God, it was you know it was just horrible. Yes, it was. Um, <laughs> you know, then I'll say that quickly though, because I brought it up and I shouldn't have brought it up, but I don't even understand how five's mask is so like horribly bad because it's michael the michael is is found by that hermit at basically after he gets blown up and the hermit takes the the same mask off of michael it's not like he finds another mask it's supposed to be the same mask from four so how did he go from kind of the mask from four wasn't great but it was kind of like a a weird looking like chunky mask i've always felt like it looked like kind of like a chunky white mask 
the white, like a chunky person to a fucking alien. It was so weird. Um, anyways, that's not the point. We're here to talk about Halloween too. But yeah, I just thought that was interesting though, is because as we know that they were done with it and they, they did. I mean, they they killed Michael. I mean, the I mean, if you look at if you look at Halloween two and H2O, they're the two films that definitively killed Michael Myers and somehow he comes back, but Yep. <laughs> but uh but that is it for Halloween two from nineteen eighty one. As we mentioned this Saturday, it would be the forty year anniversary on October thirtieth of the release of Halloween two in movie theaters. Um this episode will drop uh, at, as you get to this point, we're dropping Friday, October twenty ninth. At this point, um get to the end. I um Kyle, is there anything you want to add before I put a bow on this? Uh, just some uh, basic housekeeping. Uh, check out our friends, uh, Scream Queens, uh, Sounds from the Grave, Crystal Lake Soldiers, uh, Silver Scream Scream Show, who I was recently a, uh, a guest on Silver Scream Scream Show talking about Halloween kills. And I was recently a guest on our friend Sounds from the Grave as well talking about Evil Dead 2013 Remake which was a super fun episode. Uh, check those out if you haven't, and check out all of their episodes. Really great people. Uh, uh, like I said, said before, if you haven't checked out any fan films, uh, go out of your way and check out some fan films. There's some really great stuff in there that I think you, uh, uh, everybody, everybody would find something to enjoy out of. And uh, uh, maybe if you have the time, check out some of the horror movies that are coming out. Uh uh, just this week alone, we got Last Night in Soho, Antlers, the new Paranormal Activity, and I'm sure that I'm sure there's more that I'm missing. But uh, yeah, and uh, have a great Halloween because uh, when we come back, uh, it'll be it'll be November. So everyone listening, hope you all have a great Halloween and uh, you know ha- have a great time. Yes. Uh, so with that said, um, please enjoy your your holiday weekend. Um, it's probably the first time in the last two years that kids will probably be able to go out trick or treating and be able to get together safely to do Halloween parties. I know, I know for me, I'm going to a Halloween brunch because my aunt's birthday is actually on Halloween. So we're getting together for a brunch for her. So as the kids will go trick or treating at night. Um, and we will be, uh, uh, next month, month of November, Turkey day, um, Thanksgiving time. Um, as we get, you know, continue the holiday season, we will, uh, we'll have a, a smaller schedule next season, um, next for the month of November due to the holidays. And I'm going on an anniversary trip. So we will be bringing you, um, our first film that we'll be covering is the 10 year anniversary of scream four. Um, something that I, I wanted to cover with Kyle, um, especially with how important and, um, trending scream is right now. And as everybody knows, I'm obsessed with anniversary. So I thought that'd be a good one. Something I definitely uh, hope to bring in some of our friends in because we definitely have a f- quite a few friends that love Scream 4. And I would love their perspective into it because there is some, because pers- I have my opinions on it. But look forward to that. Scream 4 will be our first, uh, first of two films that we will be reviewing and dropping during the month of November. And um, with that, we must bid you adieu. Goodbye. Good night, and always remember, every day is Halloween.